Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. And uh, I've got, I do have a word because, well... We're just going in order through the book of Acts, and uh, uh, the word's already there. You know, these people who say, you know, ask, do you have a word? Do you have a word? That, that makes me nervous, because how many of those Christians, we always have a word. If we're in the word, there's always a word to share. So Acts chapter 6, go ahead and go there. We're going to look at seven verses today, so I'm going to be easy on you today, all right? There are times we go through, you know, 20, 30 uh, verses today. We're going to look at how many? Six. We're going to look at seven. Seven. We're going to get seven. Jeremy says, no, 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 we're not getting off with six. You're getting seven today. Uh, but uh, go ahead and turn there if you don't have your Bible. It's totally cool. We're going to have it all up here on the screens for you guys. But as we begin today, uh, I would like to suggest that there are at least uh, two groups of people here. First of all, group number one, those of you who have a plan and those of you who figured out along the way. Raise your hand if you're a planner. Let me see you. Let me see you. Raise your hand if you are a, I will figure it out along the way because I'm that smart. <laughs> let me see your hand. To, Kevin, put those hands down. Let, let me see it again. Okay, let's do it one more time. Planners? Okay. Really smart people who figure it out along the way? Okay, do you see that the congregation is divided um, between women and men? <laughs> Y'all see that? I hate to be stereotypical, but how many of y'all know it is not good for a man to be alone? God said that. We need help. And now I know there are some men here, and you, you like to plan. You're good at planning. I know for, for both of you, you know, the two of you, <laughs> the two men here, y'all, thank God that you're, you're able to plan. Now, there are some men who can plan and, and do so well. Um, but but uh, in most cases, thank God for our wives, men. Come on, let's give it up for our wives who keep us on track. Thank God for the ladies. Okay. Now, with that, we, we know that, that order and, and planning, I mean, it's just these things are vital to, to the health of our day-to-day -day lives and, and the health of our church, as I'm going to argue today. But order, how many of y'all know order is a necessity of life? It just is. Like, today, I'm, I'm sure that no one here got up with, you know, a list of the first things that you were going to do for the day. Uh, maybe you had a list of some things you want to accomplish through the day, but uh, most of you guys got up, and if you're anything like my wife, you got up this morning, and one very sacred, holy thing had to take place before anything else. I'm in the right church. <laughs> Listen, I have learned in 17 years of marriage, which, by the way, we just celebrated. Come on, give it up for my wife. 17 years. How many of y'all know I did good? I did good. But there's one thing she's got to have, and, and I've just learned. Do, I sometimes I have to remind myself, do not talk to Kelly, and do not assume that Kelly's going to talk to, to, to me, to you, Scott, until, until unless she has her coffee first. And so, you know, make her coffee. She likes it prepared the night before, so when you get up in the morning, she just pushes the button. Sometimes we had it on a timer forever and then that got messed up. But she gets up, pushes the button, starts percolating, and then boom, there's her liquid praise. <laughs> Are y'all with me? 
And so she's got <laughs> she's got to have that coffee first. And and it's not just you know the sip. I, I know about five sips in that I can kind of make my way over to her, and she starts warming up to the idea of talking to me. But my, most of the time, you know, four or five sips in, if I make my way over, if she says anything to me, it's I need more cream. So I go back, get her the cream, and got to get her coffee just right, y'all. Now, I preached this before. If you're new, listen, this message is not on coffee, but i got to say this. Here in Midtown, we drink regular coffee. Come on, preach somebody. Because how many of y'all know, decaf can be very deceiving. It has the form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. Come on, give God praise today. How many of y'all know it's true? Y'all can tell I've had little sleep. I'm out of my mind today. Okay, and that's about coffee today, but, but check it out. How many of y'all know we all have an order? There's an order to our day-to-day lives. For example, you took a shower before you got dressed today, not after. How many of y'all know that would be very problematic? Yeah, yeah. And then you got in your car, and you didn't necessarily think about it unless this was your first time to come to church, but you got in your car, and you followed a certain route to come here to this campus. Are y'all with me? Like things that we don't really have to think about, we just, we, we just do because, well, we, we know that order is a way of life. Order is just a way of life that we have to embrace. Now, this is true. This is true in our personal lives, but I'm going to show you today that this was also true in the book of Acts. Now, there are people who say, I love the book of Acts because everybody's so spirit-led and it looks like just a free-for-all Holy Ghost party, and I'll say at least the latter is true. The book of Acts is a Holy Spirit party of the Holy Spirit breaking forth through individuals' lives. Signs, wonders, and miracles occur, and at times there was no plan. There was no plan, it seems, in the moment for those things to happen. How many of y'all know we don't always have a plan, but God does? And how many of y'all know sometimes God will interrupt our regularly scheduled program to do something supernatural in our lives that we weren't expecting? And how many of y'all know those are the moments that we appreciate typically the most? Okay, so even though the apostles didn't always have a a, a concrete order or or plan, y'all remember in math, uh, please excuse my dear aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's an order of operations to the early church that, that, that we see God implementing and the apostles seeking to follow. For example, for example, going back, and now we're in part 10 of the book of Acts. How many parts will there be? Uh, a lot. Uh, the other day I was at uh, Hudson, Hudson's uh, fly football practice, and y'all know Eric Stroudard? Eric Stroudard, some of y'all know him, uh, a leader in the church over the Lafayette campus. He's out coaching my, my, my son in flag football, and then he runs over, like in the middle of practice, and said, Pastor Scott, I got a question. I got a question. I was going to call you the other day about Acts chapter 11. <laughs> I'm like, get your rear back on the field and coach my son. And so he goes back, he's out there, he's like, and then at the end of practice, he runs back up and he corners me on the field, and he said, I got this question about Acts chapter 11. And I'm like, bro, we're in Acts chapter 5. If you want to know about Acts chapter 11, come around October, and I'll answer every question you've got. So I don't know how long we're going to be in this book. We're just going to keep going. But we're, we're 10 parts in today. But just to rewind for a few minutes, here's what I want you to see. That if you look going back to Acts 1, well, we started all those weeks ago, and I told you that it all started with a plan. Y'all remember Jesus' plan? Let's call it something different. It started with a play. Y'all remember the play that Jesus gave the disciples, the apostles, to run? It was wait here. 
Be empowered because you're going to be my witnesses where? Here locally in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria to the ends of the earth. So you're going to go short, but then you're going to go long. You're going to go to the ends of the earth filled with the power of God to advance my mission in the world. Y'all remember that? All right, so it started with a play. Everybody say play. But then we see in Acts chapter 1 that the early church, they had the play, but they devoted themselves to prayer. They had the play, but how many of y'all know we got to pray just to make it today? They had the play, they, got, they, had, they, had the, they had the play, but they had to pray. They devoted themselves to prayer. But then in the logical, please excuse my, in the logical order of operations, we see from the play to the prayer, then the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. So listen to me carefully. Jesus gave them the play. They were devoted to prayer. But then logically next, they were filled with the Spirit and the power of God. And then they went out in it and turned the world upside down. How many of y'all know that's a good order for us to follow? We got to get in the Word to discover the play. And then we got to pray. And then we got to open our, uh, spread our hands to heaven and pray to be filled with the power of God. And how many of y'all know when we're filled with the power of God, no demon can stop us. The devil can't stop us. No government on this planet can stop us. If you don't believe me, just ask the apostles because they... They followed this order which gave them, somebody say, power. Gave them power. So, what we see in early church is, man, they follow this order and then boom, thousands of people get saved. Have you seen this in the book of Acts? Talking about explosive church growth. 3,000, then 5,000, and then beyond 10,000 as you get through the first like five chapters, if you include the young people, the adult women and men, you include them all. I mean, we're talking about north of 10,000 people in a short amount of time. Isn't that incredible? How many of y'all would like to see that? Yeah. So, Pastor Scott, when are we going to go back to four services? We're not! I don't know. I'll say that. I mean, we got, we got some money for the balconies as we all return to whatever is normal now. And uh, my aim is, uh, well, just to see what God wants to do. How many of y'all know, we're just going to see what God does and then build around that. Not build and then ask God to build around it. We're going to ask God to just do what he does. And we're going to get around that. We're going to frame it around what he wants to do, not what Scott wants to do. Or you. Amen. All right, so that's where we're going. I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm real happy just preaching to y'all twice and going home and taking a big old Baptist nap. Are y'all with me today? So there's an order. There's an order in the, in the early church. There's order in our lives, and there's order in creation. How I many of y'all know God created the sun and the water and the things of this world before he created man? How I many of y'all know that was, that was genius? How I many of y'all know because man has to have the sun and the water to live? Man was created later. But so, so, so we see order. We see order. Everybody say order. And so, but, but here's what I want you to see as well, that the church grew so quickly. And we got thousands of people all over the place. Watch this. And the apostles had not been to seminary, had not taken any church growth classes to figure out what to do with it all. Think about that for a second. They had not taken any organizational management courses. Are y'all tracking? They had not been trained. But guess what? They had an education, as I preached weeks ago, from above. They had been with Jesus. And how many of y'all know, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. And if you don't feel that smart in the natural, God will make you a genius if you'll just listen to him. Are y'all with me? 
earthly wisdom's good to an extent, but come on, let's tap into wisdom from above and the Spirit from on high who fills us and gives us the ability to see things we can't ordinarily see. And so we see this huge, I'm sure huge, administrative load on the apostles. Now with that, I'm thinking about this. I'm getting my head into this large crowd that gathered. And I was thinking about this, that first of all, if you're taking notes, you can write this down just for clarity's sake. Luke tells us about the power of the early church. But as we work through this book, we're also seeing that he also emphasizes the order of the early church. That it looked chaotic at times, but although that was true for a season, that did not remain the same. Because how many of y'all know God is a God of order? He is a God of order. So, as the church grew in size, it also needed to take on a certain shape. Everybody say shape. Shape. And order. So, let's read in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, Jeremy. Uh, Here we go. Are y'all ready? Here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all aren't ready. Say ready. Y'all talk to me. Okay. Say thank you. Here we go. First one. Uh, Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Now, track with me. I'm going to explain this. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said this, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, they had a good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse 4. The apostle said, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, as we read this, there are some big words here that I'm going to have to explain to give you the proper context, but do you guys see essentially what's going on here? As the church grew... Well, complaints arose. Listen to me carefully. There will be complaints in small churches. It's inevitable. But as the church grows, (laughs) that much more complaints are inevitable. With every person that's added, you have the potential for a new complaint. (laughs) The more people, the more likely you're going to have complaints. Now, to put this in perspective, up to this point, I'm teaching you all the Bible, up to this point, the complaints that have arisen have come from outside the church, from the Jewish leaders against the church. Okay, are y'all tracking? Now we see a complaint arising from where? Within the church. We see the devil trying to get into the details of the church. And so as we look at this, here is a point that I want you to write down and get. Okay, this is not explicitly taught in the text, but it's in my heart, and I want you to get this. And it's very simple. Here it is. It is okay to complain, but always complain up, not down, and certainly not all around. 
Okay, I'm teaching y'all today. Uh, this is not some Pastor Obed message. I'm not going to paste the stage and yell at you, okay? I'm going to teach you and equip you because some Christians just don't know this. Okay, listen to me. It's okay to complain. I just freed somebody up because you got a lot of complaints. Hold on. <laughs> it's okay to complain. The longer you're here, the more you're going to have to complain about. How many of y'all are a family? Do any of y'all have a family, a natural family, where there are no complaints? Because I'm joining your family. Because I have them in my household all the time. All right? Complaints are just, they're going to come. They're inevitable, especially as the church grows. Okay? Listen, always complain in which direction? Up. What does that mean? That means complain to the people who have the ability to do something about the problem. Because check this out, and listen to me, this is not a reactionary message. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular, except all of you. <laughs> I'm thinking about all of us together, okay? This is not a react. This is just next in the Bible, so i got a preacher. Are you all with me? So when you have a complaint, and you take it to people who can't do anything about it, and you dump it on them, you know what that's called? That's called gossip. You know what it's called when you take a criticism or a complaint and you dump it on somebody below you that you're leading or somebody around you who's not a part of the solution? You're polluting their well. You're polluting their mind. You're putting something in them that wasn't there. Now, if the person can actually be a part of the solution, okay, let's talk about that. But the first step is to, if you have a complaint to take it up, not go this way, and certainly don't go that way. Are y'all tracking with me today? So you go to your discipleship group leader if you have a complaint. So you go to your pastor if you have an issue. As a matter of fact, I'm so proud, I'm not going to say his name, but recently, actually just this last week, uh, I got a phone call from a young man in the church who had some questions. Listen to me carefully. It's okay, you can ask anything you want in this church. And it is my job and my joy to answer your questions. Are you all with me? That's my heart. Well, he had some questions. There were some pretty significant questions. And he texted me, hey, can we talk? I called him, didn't even text him back. Don't you hate that when someone texts you and they're expecting a text back and said the phone rings? That's just the way I am. I called him right there on the spot. I said, let's talk. We were able to go through the questions, and I was able, look at this, to fill, to fill in the gaps. How many of y'all know when there's a gap in details? If we don't speak to that gap, I promise the devil will. Listen, that's true in your marriage. Close the gap. Speak truth in the gap. Bring understanding. And when you do that, in most cases, you can bring into, you'll, you'll restore intimacy. You'll restore credibility. You'll answer the question and hopefully solve the problem. But I went through and I answered every one of his questions. I don't even know if he's here today. But I was super proud of him for reaching out to say, hey, why do y'all do this? Hey, what about this? What about that? And I was able to categorically go through them. That, that's a healthy way to address a problem. Listen to me carefully. This has not happened here. I'm just saying. If you have a complaint, please don't send me an anonymous letter. <laughs> from the person who's pastored before. From Dr. Rye. And is a pastor. I mean a church. Listen to me. If you have a complaint, come to me. But please pray before you do. And please don't let it be petty. Please, please, please don't let it be petty. If it's significant, you've prayed about it and you just have to talk about it, okay, come, but please, please don't, don't send me an anonymous letter. You know what I'm going to do with those? 
I have a trash can with, it doesn't say complaints, I'm gonna make one with anonymous complaints. Is that too hard to say? That's what I'm gonna do, whether we like it or not. If you have a complaint, come to me and I will sit down with you and graciously listen to anything you have to say. Does that make sense? I will listen to you please. How many of those Christians, sometimes, Nobody's done this. This is not reactionary. But at times, people get mad in the church, and you know where, you know where they take it? To Facebook. I am preaching. And people process with the world, with people who don't have the maturity to process the situation and who can't do anything about it. I'm not thinking, no one's, I'm not thinking about anybody here. This is not a rebuke to anybody. This is just a word of caution. Okay? Process with your leaders. Take your complaints up. Don't take them down. And certainly don't spread them all around to people who can't do anything about them. Are, is that fair enough? No, is anybody mad at me? I'm sure, I hope nobody's mad at me, but that's just the way it is. Okay? So look at this. The complaint arose from the Hellenists. Everybody say Hellenists. Okay, who are they? Well, they were the Greek-speaking Jews uh, born outside uh, of Jerusalem. Alexander the Great spread uh, Hellenistic culture, language. And so these were the Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, and they were in this situation where their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So, so they, they, they complained against the, the Hebrews. Everybody say Hebrews. The Hebrews were the Aramaic-speaking Jews. They're local in Palestine. So the church at this time is Jewish. So you've got two groups, Greek-speaking Jews, and you've got Aramaic-speaking Jews. Well, the need was this, that, that the Greek-speaking Jews, their widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, which means this. The early church was very generous. They gave their money. They gave uh, proceeds. They, they gave resources. They laid it at the apostles' feet so the apostles could then meet the needs in the community. Pretty cool stuff, huh? Well, there were widows. And in Jewish tradition, the Jews were very, very careful to take care of the widows. And how many of y'all know we should be as well to take care of the widows? The early church, do I have any widows here and you feel taken care of? I hope you do. You don't have to say anything, but I hope you feel that way. We want to take good care of you. Okay? They had the resources and they gave the resources to make sure that these widows at the very basic level would have food. Okay? Well, the Hellenists had some widows who were being, they thought, neglected, probably unintentionally. There's probably a, a how many of y'all know is a communication issue, probably? A breakdown of communication. Well, they, they state their case, this complaint arose. And so, well, somehow, someway, the complaint arose to the apostles. And like good leaders, the apostles decided to do something about it. Let's read one more time. Look at, uh, let's start here in verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, look at this. We're going to wait on tables. We're going to meet the need. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says, it's not right that we should give up praying and preaching and teaching and doing what God's called us to do to sit at the tables to exchange money so the widows can get their food. Now, I mean, y'all know, that's not the end of the story. But that's the first thing we see. It's not right that we should give up what we're called to do to do this. But verse 3, here's the solution. Therefore, brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So some, I'm sure, were expecting the apostles to do it, to do it all, to do everything. Some were expecting the apostles to get at the tables, to meet the need, to exchange the money, to make sure that the widows were taken care of. But that's not what they did. Do you see what happened here in the text? It wasn't a matter of if the apostles wanted to help the widows. It was a matter of how they would help the widows. Not if they would help the widows, but how they would. How many of y'all know the apostles' primary job my primary job is to teach and preach the Word of God. Amen. How many of y'all know that I will gladly fold a table, move a chair, I'll wash feet, whatever that means in our culture. I'm not above any of that. How many of y'all know I'll do that stuff too? And I should do that stuff too. Okay, I'm not above that. Okay, But check it out. I'm going to come back to that. The apostles said basically to the brothers, to the church, I want you guys to pick seven men, qualified men, because these men were going to handle money. And how many of you know? You don't want the guy who, he could be born again saved or the lady born again saved, but still dealing with the stronghold of, we call it in Tennessee, thievery. You don't want that person handling the money. How many of you know forgiveness comes in a moment, but trust is built over time? So you want, you, want, you want qualified individuals, first of all, who can count. <laughs> you want qualified individuals, here it says, who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. You want qualified men. Well, here it says that, that they appointed seven who were able to devote themselves to the distribution of the money and the food while the apostles could focus on the distribution of the word. How many of y'all know? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But how many of y'all know you got to have bread? And so here I want you to see what the, what's going on here. It, it was a both and. It wasn't like, no, that's not important. No, the widows aren't important. And it's yes, they are important, but we are going to do this while you guys who are appointed will do that so that all the needs will be taken care of. How many of y'all know if we'll each do our part, that all the needs will be taken care of because there's a lot of gifting in this place? So they chose these qualified individuals who all had Greek names. And so the group that issued the complaint was the group that provided the individuals who could actually solve the problem. Come on, somebody. Listen to me carefully. It's okay to talk about the problem as long as you're willing to be a part of the solution. So I saw this at a ballpark years ago, and I'm like, that will just preach every direction. Do we have it here? Uh, let's do our part. There's a, there. That'll preach, won't it? Before you complain, dot, 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 have you volunteered yet? <laughs> And I'm like, that, that, that's really good stuff. Because here's a tendency in some churches, not this one, of course, but others, other churches. People will come in, well, I think I had a good experience, but, you know, there weren't many ushers. And the, the worship team, they were off. I mean, there weren't that many up there. And then I went to the info desk, and the lady, she, she's kind of by herself, didn't really smile. And kind of, we go down the list, 
And some of those complaints are legitimate, but you go down the list, and by the time you're done listening to the person, they've got a list of complaints, and you're like, man, you've drawn your circle so tight, you're the only one standing in it. Who can be saved according to you? <laughs> Not in this church. I'm talking about other churches. Send this to people in other churches. <laughs> are you all with me? I'm being a little silly. But check it out. Some people, they, they see they have a burden. What about this? What about that? Why isn't that right? Well, okay, it's okay to ask all those questions. It's okay to talk about the problem. Just make sure that you're willing to be a part of the solution to the problem. I mean, you know, sometimes the best people to meet the need are those with the greatest burden for that need. So we don't start ministries. I identify people who have a burden, who are filled with wisdom and the Spirit of God, and we lay hands on them, and they do the ministry that God's given them. You. So don't come to me and say, Pastor Scott, can we start this ministry? I'm going to tell you this. If you are qualified, if you're full of the Spirit of God, if you're full of wisdom, you don't even have to ask. The answer is yes. You get after the ministry that God has called you to lead, and I'm going to get around you and support you, lay hands on you, and resource you to the best of my God-given, Spirit-inspired ability. So test me on it. I didn't have to ask, you know, Gerald Abeard didn't come to me and say, hey, do you mind if we start this Bible study and rain and get these guys saved? You don't need my permission to reach anybody. I'm going to lay my hands on you and send you to do what only you can do for the community that you have. We sent Myron to Opelousas because his burden is no longer here. His burden is in Opelousas. So we laid hands on him. Get out. You know, that day, y'all know when I preached on Pastor Myron, uh, transition. Y'all remember that day, Palm Sunday? I preached on, on Jesus riding in on the donkey. It, it, it was the, uh, what, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Well, that was Pastor Myron's triumphal exit, and he drove out of here in his Range Rover straight to Opelousas, and right now he's in the will of God. Are you with me? That was a triumph. I want each person to be where God has called him to be. Before you complain, first of all, process it. What, what's, what's got you so bothered? Take your complaint then. To, to, to the person who can do something about it. But then ask yourself the question, am I willing to meet the need to solve the problem? So uh, I don't want to embarrass Stacy Arsenault, but let me do that for just a second, Stacy. <laughs> when I walk in a room, I'm like, it looks good to me. It, it maybe does look good to her, but Stacy has like these like supernatural eyes to see. Like there's the gift of Aesthetics, the ability to see a room and to see things that are out of order and to just know what needs to go where. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not an administrator. 21 years ago, I worked for the batting coach of the Oakland A's. I'm telling on myself. And he had a, he had a business, a baseball business, where he sold these like manuals for hitting. And one time, I sent, I sent one of those packages, UPS ground, straight to Hawaii. <laughs> How do you know? That's very difficult. You don't want me leaving your business. You want me in the Word, studying the Word. So when I come here on Sunday, I've been in my kitchen, uh, which is my office, praying, getting in the Word, studying the Word of God, slicing and dicing the Word. So when I come up here, I'm giving you a meal to eat so you just belly up to the table and you get full of the Word of God. Stacy's going to do what she does. You're going to do what you do. We all work together. And come on, as we do, the kingdom of God advances.
So, as your pastor, I have this burden and I have this calling, and it is, let me, let me talk about this for a minute, it is to preach and to teach the unadulterated Word of God to you, because, listen to me carefully, you don't need my thoughts, you don't need my opinions, okay? There are 10 billion opinions out there on social media. What you need is the truth of the Word of God. And you can get that in your own time. You can get that outside of Sunday morning. But, you know, in Genesis 3, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, the, the serpent said to Eve, did God really say? Do you remember that? Did God really say? Listen, did you know that, that Satan is running the same play today? He doesn't care about what God says. His aim is to question and to distort and to twist the word of God. But listen carefully. If Satan were to slither in here today and ask us that question, many people can't give Satan a straight answer because many Christians just don't know what the Word of God says. How many know? You can't defend the Word if you don't know the Word. Let me say that again. You can't defend what you don't know. Did God really say? There are a lot of Christians going, I don't know what He said because I haven't been in the Word to hear. The Apostle Paul says in Acts 20, verses 26 to 27. He says this to the Ephesian elders, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. I love this, verse 27. For This is my heart. This is what I hope one day I'll be able to say fully, looking back. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Meaning, I, one day I want to look back and say, when I was at Midtown, I got up and by God's grace, I preach the whole counsel of God. Not just part of the buffet. You know, when I go to Jason's, let me tell you where I want to go. Straight to the pudding, praise God. Anybody else? The ice cream machine? Dear Lord, it's a moment of worship. You get that swirl going on in the chuck. <laughs> but I mean, y'all know that's a big buffet, big salad bar more proper to say. It's my, it's my heart, it's my aim, it's my job, it's my joy to preach to you the Word of God and to do so categorically, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, so you get fed. And if you're not being fed here, you have to, you have to okay, what does that mean? Like for some people, some people get bored in church because maybe we're in a chapter that's not so compelling. You know you have, you have conference speakers come in. You know how many times those conference speakers have preached that message? <laughs> a bunch. You know they don't preach that way every Sunday. This, this is family. Conference speakers are good, but I am your pastor, and it's my job to shepherd you through the text. And sometimes it might be a little bit boring. If you fall asleep, which I don't think you'll do, because I know I'm many things. One thing I'm not is boring. <laughs> My veins will pop out and slap you, you know. But I'll come down there, and I'll, I'm not going to do that. But this is family where we, we do this together. Your pastor is not Stephen Furtick. Has Stephen Furtick called any of y'all lately? Your pastor is not John MacArthur. Your name is so-and-so. My name is Pastor Scott. We are family. And I am your shepherd 
And it's an honor to be that in your life. It's an honor. It is an honor. And I work my tail off so that you can be fed on Sundays. Okay? I don't need sympathy or any thank you cards. I just want you to know I do so because I value these moments with you. Jesus said, oh, by the way, ooh, let me say this. <laughs> you cannot hear the whole counsel of God if you only come to church on a part-time basis. You see, I had to give you that. You see that? Did y'all hear it? Ooh. You can't, and it's not just about being here on Sunday, but you, you cannot hear the whole counsel of God, the full heart of God, if you're in your discipleship group every now and then. Someone say consistency. Someone say, you got to have a plan. <laughs> There's an order to it, okay? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4, quoting from Deuteronomy. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Look at this, verse 17. Here's where we get the man of God thing. So that, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When you get into the word of God, so to speak, when I preach the word of God to you, so to speak, it's like God's breathing in you breathing on you. So, I'm going to do my part to serve the Word of God to you. But do you guys know you have a job too? You know you have a part to play as well? I'm committed to preaching the Word of God to you, but you have to be committed to hearing it, believing it, and applying it. I can't do that for you. Hebrews 4 says this, For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Think about that for a second. The message, doesn't matter how good the message is, it was no, of no value to them. Why? Well, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. You see that? You can hear the best preaching in the world. But if you don't combine what you hear with faith, it's a waste of time. So someone will say, well, I'm this church. How was the preaching? Hopefully you say, but there's another question. How is your believing? What did you do with the word that was preached? Because I don't want to tickle your ears. I want to preach the truth that will change your life, not just in here, but as you walk out there. It's not just about knowing the Bible, but it's about knowing the God of the Bible who will transform your life and the lives of those all around you. So I'm going to do my part. Can we have some keys? Will y'all do your part? Thank you. <laughs> I have my part. And thank y'all for letting me do my part. We have an incredible team. Amy Boudreau, Angel, I mean, I can go down, and Mandy, the whole team. They are like administrative geniuses. Yes. Yesterday we had, we had 100 people in one room. There's a funeral going on in this room. And I can't think about any of that because my mind and heart are in the text I'm in prayer and they read the Bible and pray too but they're gifted at what they do I mean are thankful for I mean my brain doesn't when it comes to music like my brain doesn't work to do she looks she's smiling at me while she's playing the keys 
if I were playing the keys, no one would be smiling. I mean, everybody has a part to play, right? Everybody's wired a certain way. We're the body of Christ. If you think about your physical body, you look at mine, look at yours, there are all kinds of parts. The head, the arms, the hands, the feet, nose, ears, eyes, and I've been called a rear end on more than one occasion. <laughs> but listen to 1 Corinthians 12. We're almost done. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. For the body does not consist of one member, but how many? Of many. Of many. Plural. Many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eyeball, where would it sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So I like to say it this way. If we were all evangelists, how many of y'all know we would grow in size, in number, but probably not in maturity? If we were all teachers, we'd all know the Bible, but it wouldn't be very many of us, would it? We wouldn't grow. We need to be, we need evangelists too. We need people who can teach the word and we need evangelists. How many of y'all know every single part of the body is important? Right now, the, the most important people, I believe, in terms of their function are not in here. Thank you for the keys. Thank you for media. All this is good, but our nursery volunteers those who work with our children who are not just think, babysitting. Some of y'all are here today because you needed some relief from your kids. <laughs> Nobody in this church, the one down the street. <laughs> but they're not babysitting. They're ministering. Because Marty and Angel have raised up leaders who, I mean, you can only minister so much to an infant. I get it. But in kids' ministry, we're not here to babysit. We're here to make disciples. And y'all have done a phenomenal job. Marty and Angel, would y'all stand up? And so, there are some of you here today, you have a calling on your life to work with kids. I don't say this very often. We have a need. We have a need. Is that okay for me to say that? We're not needy. We have a need. And I want you to know that because if you don't know that, if you don't know about the need, how can you meet the need? Pretty logical, huh? So there's, there's a need. We need spirit-filled men, women, who are full of wisdom, full of the spirit, who can serve in kids' ministry. What a great service that is to the body of Christ, to this church. So thank y'all. Once again, one more time, give it up here. Thank y'all. And we have membership today at 1030. 
right here, go meet us out here to the left at the info desk. We'll get you on track because it, it is our job and our joy to help you discover how God designs you if you don't know already. Who you are naturally, but who you are supernaturally by the Spirit. Because how many of y'all know, if you don't know this, each and every one of you has a supernatural gift from God. Come on, let me say it this way. Every one of you has a superpower. What's, what's my superpower? Well, I think it's teaching. You want me teaching this word. You don't want me administrating because the church will just, it'll be gone. There's <laughs> one midtown go. It just fell apart. You want me in my lane. Are y'all with me? I tell Pastor Jacob, you're the evangelist. You catch them, I'll clean them. Are y'all with me? Well, listen to me. Those of you who are new to church, maybe you just sat in church for years and you, you went to Mass, you came to church, and you're just sitting there like it's, you know, and you're like this. And like I picture so many people, and it's like not to, not to shame you or to fault you, but so many people, it's like they just, they're on the sidelines. But you're like a little kid. You, you want to get in the game. It's my job and my joy to get you off the sidelines to get you in the game. Because as each one of us does our part, as the body functions as it should, then we'll reach people, we'll build lives, we'll make disciples, we'll storm the gates of hell, and not even the devil can stop us when the body is healthy and activated. Somebody give Jesus some praise today. Thank you, God. You, all, you have a part to play. You've got a place, and we're going to help you find it because Acts 6, 7 says this as we conclude. I told you it's going to be seven verses, Jeremy. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Do you see what happened when the church got in order, when the church built that structure around what God was doing? God came in, blew that out, and took it to the next level. Come on, y'all. We're not asking God to build around what we're doing. We're going to build around what he's doing. And what a great opportunity it is for all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these seven verses. Thank you, Lord, for this example. Thank you for Luke, who tells us that the early church was full of power. But the early church was also a church of order. And Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to each and every one of us here. Lord, those who've been on the sidelines, those who've been out on the sidelines, who've been just who've been spectators, I pray today they would become participants in the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that you would raise up intercessors. Thank you for the intercessors, for Brett and Sonny and the team who pray, who pray long before the service is here, who have people praying as the service uh, is taking place. I thank you for all the intercessors, those who are in the secret place, crying out to you so that the windows of heaven will be open. Lord, I thank you for those here who have the gift of giving, Lord, the gift of leadership, the gift of preaching, all the gifts, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, that you would give us a greater burden, give us eyes to see, hearts to fill, and the willingness to step up to meet the needs. And as we do, we thank you for the growth of this church, not just quantitatively, but qualitatively as we become more like you, Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for these things. We praise you today. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. We receive this word as your very word to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the all Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give Come Jesus on. one more praise. Yeah.